understand first our condition before a holy God. And this young man is like many other people that we've met in, in, in Kansas that are led by guilt and shame and fear that doesn't allow them to approach the throne of God. And just like them, there are many others in Romania that we want to minister with. There's a university, over 20,000 of them, that come there to study four to eight years from all over the world that are living guilt and shame and fear. And they need to hear the gospel and believe it and be plugged into a local church and grow in their faith and understand that in God's kingdom, in God's economy, there's no room for such things because he deals with those things. Paul Washer said that we need to build up the bride of Christ and then the bride will take care of the lost. People need to be connected to a local healthy church where Christ is being proclaimed, where the gospel is being unleashed because that is what changes our lives. And imagine if some of these people will come to saving faith in Christ and then as they learn to make other disciples, they go back to their countries and they know the language and the culture and they become the greatest missionaries we can dream of because they're that's, that's their home. And they make Christ known. And, and, and my college friend, he was trying to keep busy and serve to numb his conscience that was accusing him. In the same way, some of us, maybe even here today, we're trying to, to, to stay away from getting to a place of repentance by being actively involved in serving God, in doing the right things and saying the right things, when actually what we need is to bring it to the cross. Is that you today? Because medicating the pain, I'm no doctor, but I know that much. It it might numb it, but it's not going to make you better. The condition in time gets worse. Are you trying to numb your conscience? Once Adam and Eve's eyes were open to, to this awareness of their guilt and shame, what do they do? They sew fig leaves together. They attempted to cover themselves, and this attempt is just foolishness because we cannot cover ourselves. We need to let God, we need to let Jesus cover us, says Revelation 3, and put on Jesus himself as a covering, says Galatians, and God has a covering for his people, tells us in Isaiah. God has all we need. We don't have to come up with that. And what we see here is that sin has immediate consequences, and if there's no repentance, it has eternal consequences. And every single one of us, we have inherited the immediate consequences. Every single one of us. And, and we're told in Romans 1, 21 and 25 that for although they knew God, they neither glorify Him as God nor give thanks to Him. Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served creative things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. That is what happened there. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and that is exactly what's happening today. When you decide what you are and who you are, your gender, when you decide what's true for you, you cannot tell someone else what's, what, what, what the truth is, when everything is relative. It's crazy. And why? It's because they exchanged the truth with the lie. And what do they do after this? Absolutely nothing. But immediately God comes to them. And as soon as they hear the presence of the, of the Lord God walking in the garden, they hid. They hid from God among the trees 
of the garden. And we see that right away God goes to them. He wants to deal with their sin just the way He wants to deal with your sin immediately. And they're afraid what used to be the highlight of their day, spending time with God, having communion with God, intimacy with God becomes now the most terrifying thing. So they're trying to hide. And we're, we're fools thinking that we can hide from the one that created us. Though we still try to sometime. Psalm 139 from verse 7 says that I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. God knows everything. He sees everyone, everywhere, all the time. I mean, we can try to fool our spouses, our friends, our parents, our pastor, anyone we want, but we're never going to be able to fool God. He's going to know everything all the time. I met someone from another country, from Africa, a while ago. And he told me his story. He, he was in college. He is in college in Kansas. And he told me that when he was still, his, his dad died. And then his mom married someone else, but his stepdad didn't want him. So he was sent to live with his grandparents. But every time he misbehaved, he was threatened to be kicked out of the house. So he, he lived with fear for years, not knowing when the day will be when they'll kick him out of the house. Well, now he lives in America with a visa to work and study here, but he's terrified of cops. So he told me that a while ago he got pulled over and he was afraid that he's going to be arrested and deported to his country because he lives in fear. Fear paralyzes him. So I, I, I told him every time I meet with him, I point to the gospel that, that deals with our fear, that God wants to set us free from our fear, 1 John tells us in, in chapter 4, verse 18, that there's no fear in love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. If you are in Christ, there's no room for fear today for you. And like this guy, there are many others in middle school and high school in Romania and we want to minister to you, and their parents grew up during communism because Romania was a communist country for 44 years until 89. And they passed their fear from the things they've been through, the things they've seen, to the next generation. Now these, these students are afraid. What if I'm rejected by others? What if I'm not liked by my friends? What if I'm not good at sports? What if I'm not going to get married? What if I'm not going to have a good job? And so on. They live in fear. And they need to hear the gospel that sets us free from fear and be plugged into a local church. But the Lord God called to the men and said, where are you? And it is always God taking the initiative. We don't have anything to boast about. There's nothing that constrains God to save us because we're worthy to be saved. Apart from grace alone, there's nothing for us. And this word called in the original language is very strong. It really means to roar like a lion. When God came to them, he was roaring like a lion and they, got, they had to give an account to him. 
I mean, we have this idea that, you know, God is distant sometimes. But they were, that, that must have been terrifying, hearing God's voice like that. And, and there are many hiding today, trying to stay in the dark. Because if they come to light, their, their, their sins will be exposed. Is that you today? Are you trying to hide from God? And this is the question that God wants to address to you today. Where are you? And, and this was not the interrogation of an angry God, but rather the heartfelt cry of an anguished father. He knew that something dramatic has happened between him and his creation, a gulf that he would have to cross. He knew where they were. He didn't need their answer to know where they are. But rather, this was asked to help them understand that they're lost, that they broke God's law, and to lead them to confess their sin and to express God's sorrow over men's lost condition and to show us that we are accountable to God. And the way God came to Adam and Eve is the same way. It's a model for how He comes to us today. He comes immediately to deal with our sin. He doesn't want this to be between us and Him. And he came with care before the darkness of night, and he come, comes to them, and he addressed them personally by name, and he comes to them with the truth. He confronts them with the truth. And you see, truth is relative, we're told. There, there's no truth, and people hate truth today. But that is the only way for someone's life to change. Because if they don't know that they're sick, why would they go to the doctor? Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ, says Paul in Ephesians. And, and out of love, God goes and He confronts Adam and Eve because sin is very offensive to His character and because He loves His creation dearly. And, and sin made Adam and Eve afraid of God, and ever since, men run from God's presence. Don't want to listen to his word. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Prosperity gospel. Live your best life now. God wants what's best for you. He loves you. Love wins. These are the things that we hear everywhere, not just in America. But that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't listen to people that tell you what itches your ears. Listen to those that come to you with God's truth because they want you to be rooted and established on God's word because they want you to have a godly life. Those are the people that we need to be surrounded with. And he answered, I, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you? Who told you that you're naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And, and following this awareness of guilt and shame and fear comes the great cover-up. And when that fails, he switches tactics and he tries to shift blame. See, see how, how wicked and how evil the human nature is? He says, The woman you put here with me, it's God's fault. It, 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 he created the woman and gave it to Adam. 
And then he says, it's Eve's fault. This woman gave it to me. And this is exactly what the devil wants us to do, not take responsibility for our choices today, because if we don't do that, there's not going to be any repentance, no brokenness over our sin, no desire for restoration. But admitting our rebellion is the first step towards forgiveness, towards healing. Grace is available to you today, but you have to understand why you need it. And people today don't understand why sin is so offensive. They don't understand how much it offends God. But you see, it took just one sin to have Adam and Eve removed from the garden. Just one sin. He hates sin with a passion. And then following the rebellion of of men and women, we see that the earth is cursed. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Those of you that have been married, are married, or will be married, you know that there's no perfect. We're perfect for each other once you live under the same roof. That's only movies. And I thought I was doing pretty good that I was a saint until I married my wife. Was that revealed how selfish I am? How evil I am. And I thought I knew what pain was until I saw my wife giving birth naturally to two kids. It was painful just watching that for hours. And you know, there's pain in this world. You know that. And it all starts here in Eden. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And, and the curse of death shows that the result of Adam's sin extended to the entire human race. And Paul talks about this in Romans 5 when he says that sin entered the world. Death came to all mankind. Death reigned over men and all creation. All men are condemned and all men are sinners. There's no one that can go before God and say, I'm righteous. There's no such thing. But here's the hope that we have. And he tells us, Paul in Galatians 3.13, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for you, for me. And the curse that comes as the result of disobedience has transformed life radically today. The first two chapters of the Bible describe a perfect world where there's no sin. And in the last two chapters in the Bible, Revelation describe a coming world where God will make all things new where there's no more sin and no more sorrow, no more brokenness. And right now we live in between those two things, and there is brokenness. So what's the cure? How do we get there? It's for Jesus. Because Adam and Eve, they're kicked out of the garden, and then they're, they're banished from the presence of God. Guards with swords of fire are placed outside of the garden to guard the place. How do we get back to the garden? Back to a place of communion with our Creator. Well, Jesus endured the fire of judgment so that you and I don't have to. He did it all. And in a new way, an intimacy, a communion with the Father is made possible by the blood of Christ. And the first time when Jesus came was for, to die, and then he was raised three days later. The second time he'll come to take his church home to judge Satan and the unbelieving world and to make all things new. And this is the hope that we have today in the midst of a broken world, that God one day will make all things new. But He will crush your head and you will strike His heel. 
This is the first time we see the gospel in the Bible. And the real battle is between Satan and the seed of the woman, which is Christ. God announced that Satan would wound the Messiah. You shall bruise his heel. He's coming back. Messiah will crush Satan with a mortal wound. You shall bruise his head. And at the cross, Satan is defeated, but he's not completely destroyed. That is to happen, and it will happen one day, Revelation 21. God will make all things new. This is why we still live in a broken world, and there are things around us that are not right. And that is especially visible right now in Ukraine, where there are so many horrible things happening that haven't happened since the Second World War. But in the midst of tragedy, God opens doors for the gospel to spread and people to come to faith in Him. Because in those moments, you realize how short life is and that you need something to offer steady ground and hope and peace. And people are hungry for truth. And there are over one million people that enter Romania in the last four months from Ukraine, refugees. And they have no hope. Terrified. They live in fear. There's nothing to go back to. And we look at the scriptures and we see that everything in the Old Testament points to Christ who speaks life to us, to our soul, through the gospel. And we're told in 1 John verse 3, chapter 3, verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And he did that. Because salvation has to do with, with saving us from God's judgment restoring our relationship with God and rebuilding trust between us and God. And the gospel is all about how sin can be removed from our lives. And, not, and without Christ, we live in guilt and we live in shame and we live in fear. And it is amazing how many Christians I've met that though they know they're, they've been forgiven and, and they're not guilty anymore, they still live in guilt, they still live in shame and fear. They don't live the life that God calls them to live. And Jesus satisfies the wrath of a holy God against sin. He redeems us by paying the price, and He reconciles us by His blood. And, and not only that God offers forgiveness from sin, but He offers freedom from fear, and He wants to restore our worth and our value. He loves us dearly, and, and this is all over the, the Bible. And we're told that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and He clothed them. And in order for Adam and Eve to be clothed, a sacrifice had to be made, an animal had to die. Their clothes were made at the expense of an animal, which is a clear image of Christ that was to come, and He indeed came. And we receive His righteousness. We are declared justified before a holy God on the basis of what Christ has done for us at the cross. Our righteousness is purchased at the expense of another's life. And that is Christ. And, and covering ourselves with good works, with moral life, it's like Adam and Eve trying to cover themselves with bushes. It's, it's dumb. It, it doesn't work. And we're told that God clothed them. He's personal. He could have just said a word and that would have happened. But He did that Himself. And Jesus is telling one of his churches in Revelation chapter 3. 
I know all the things you do that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And, and remember, these are people that were part of a church. They were doing the right things. They were saying the right things. From the outside, they, they were great Christians. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, so I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire, then you'll be rich, and buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And ointment for your eyes so that you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Are you indifferent today to God's word? Are you running away from God? Ask yourself these three questions today. Do I live in guilt? Do you feel guilty? Do I live in shame? Are you ashamed for others to know who you really are, what you're really doing? Because God already knows that. And do you live in fear? Do you live in fear? Because God has an answer to all those things. And the gospel response to those conditions coming as a result of disobedience through sin And Jesus is calling you right now to bring it to the cross. We've traveled to many churches in America and in Romania and and some in other countries and some countries in Europe. It is amazing how many Christians live in fear and shame. They know God forgave their sin, they know their guilt is removed, but they still do things as a result of shame and fear. And that is not the life God is calling you to live today if you are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, you can't be today because of what Jesus has done for you at the cross. And we're truly grateful for your partnership in the gospel that enables us to go to Romania and help others know Christ so they're set free from guilt and fear and shame. And as we go, you go with us. As we pray, you pray together with us, advancing the kingdom of God in that part of the country, and you encourage us with your faith, your love for one another. Thank you for doing what you're doing for our family. When we're here with you, we feel like we're home. And it's been like this since the first day when I came here in September. Thank you for your love that you have for us in Jesus' name. May God bless you all.